So, welcome to me, or the virtual me. And uh, these days I'm more virtual than actual. <laughs> but perhaps it's always been the case. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, here we are. And nice to see you all anyway. Just to get a sense of a whole cluster of visual images on the screen. Um, and this is what this occasion presents, both the rather enjoyable mood of joining together, yeah, and also the recognition we're actually sitting in separate boxes physically. Uh, uh, and that is strange because it's actually pretty much um, a model of reality, of the sensory reality anyway. You know, we in our sense world, in our sense consciousness, very much limited, you know, within what we can see and hear and touch and taste and so on. Quite a quite a narrow box. You can move your box around, you can put wheels under it and travel to other places, but it's basically the same box with those with those six walls to it. Yeah, but also the in the the sixth wall the mind consciousness can open up and uh to heart or chitta. And so with this sense, which again is normal, we're always uh, sensing what happened years ago, uh, concerned about the welfare of others, uh, worrying about what might have happened or planning something. So we definitely move out into the, the virtual reality, jitta. And uh, that's sometimes very problematic when, they, when the virtual reality is taken over with fear, anxiety or ill will. But it could also be exceptionally uh, transformative if it's taken over with goodwill, launched or you know, moved out through goodwill and through compassion and through a, a kind of quest for, for, not, for insight, for understanding. You know? What is all this? What are we in? You know, are we anything? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, how does one find balance in that? And whatever your, your own phrasing that gets you into into what we call meditation or bhavana. <clears throat> you know, it's a sense of finding a path, you know, or a track or a sense of something you can proceed down with feeling of self-respect, confidence, yeah, but awareness of others and heading to somewhere that makes life worthwhile since we're all going to move on in this life through our death when you recognize that, as the Buddha did, his first recognition, you know, aging and death, what's all this about then? You know, you know just having that as a question mark. And when you bear that in mind, it does cause you to review some of the details one gets snagged by or caught up in, um, and realizing the mind, if it's not, if it's not properly cared for, uh, can do you a lot of damage, can clutter your life, can get it full of old uncleansed crud and uh, stuff we should have you know, let go of, but for some reason or other has been difficult to release and, and you know, finish. And uh, partly, of course, this is that although we do meet the stuff we wish we had, we didn't meet, and we get the idea of things we wish we weren't, or things we wish we were, and we can struggle to make 
what we wish we weren't go away and what we wish were happen the the source of that interest that wish isn't isn't coming from the right place uh, you know one could wish one was a different mindset one could wish you know the past wasn't what it was one could wish one didn't have these difficult habits uh, silly habits that you feel stupid but just wishing and disliking or craving doesn't doesn't shift things it just adds another layer of frustration or confusion or delusion so this is really the, the essence of meditation bhavana you know, recognize that what i'm saying is you know bhavana cultivation is not just meditation you know, you've got the, the sense of you have to align it to a sense of what we call right view that is there are consequences of what i'm doing i am potent i am i can proceed towards what's better i can um, and there are difficult things that i have to be careful of and keeping that there so your first training is in this right view and then the right precepts virtue so i'm putting i'm putting a tether around this mind you know i'm bonding it and then then we come into bhavana meditation bhavana which is established through sati mindfulness the ability to just hold a mirror um, to what's going on and, and bear it in mind really take note of it of course this could be just obsessive but we're not just taking note in a critical way but taking note like a a mirror uh, it doesn't actually retain the impressions it doesn't say oh this what now you've got the exact picture of who you are no it doesn't doesn't do that so this is an impression and that light that complete balance of sati of mindfulness gives you a, this is a perception this is a memory this is a feeling this is a mood this is a mind state that's it yeah there's no yeah and if we can maintain that then the discovery is that conditions tend to sort themselves out you know that the the mind states begin to just shift and change by themselves so meditation is both doing something you know staying on track and keeping that sense of perspective and deep which often requires one to firmly sustain that perspective it does take some effort but then very much the limiting of what one does the limiting of mental activity yeah recognizing that the the assessments and the judgments are often part of the problem so the limiting activity so mindfulness does two particular um services one is it just restrains or refrains from adding more from confusing the, the topic from piling more stuff onto it from dithering off it actually acts as like a uh, a tether yeah and the other is it it gathers the mind around the sense of clarity uh stillness uh and the qualities of heart the qualities of heart that begin to arise within that supportive framework the heart speak begins to speak for itself so if you 
restrained from the difficult, confusing, or just irrelevant, I hold the hold the the mindfulness around the sense of witnessing the heart. Witnessing the heart, you'll find that certain qualities begin to manifest by themselves. First of all, a sense of spaciousness, a sense of relief, relaxation. I don't have to make something. I don't have to be something. I don't have to keep fighting something. I don't have to keep launching myself into something, <laughs> figuring it out. <sighs> relief, the le- lessening of that, the heart settles and something warm and wise begins to rise by itself. Right. So, you know, this is pretty amazing stuff, very humbling stuff, because, you know, most of our lives we're the doer, and the, and the organiser, and the calculator, and the adjuster, and the critic, and telling everybody else what they should be, and telling ourselves, and so forth. We're pretty much highly involved <laughs> and active so this is quite a fine balance for you certainly there's a certain activity activities maintain sustain witness and support a heart response and the, but the calming effect is the amount of stuff we don't do just like the precepts the precepts themselves are yeah, they're sane, but you can go through a day keeping presets without thinking you've done that much. But actually, you've got what you didn't do. <laughs> when you look in the human human field, right, the general field of humanity, what you didn't do is pretty important uh, that you didn't do it. <laughs> and same with meditation, the amount of stuff you don't do is pretty significant. <laughs> now, not to go on too long, but... Um, just realizing that why this requires uh, training and supportive circumstance, and I, I guess I hope the uh, the retreat organizers mentioned the kind of careful discipline that's needed to to for us to sustain this focus when we're in our own homes. You know, and there's so many things you can kind of go out to and twiddle with and fix and answer and tidy up you know just that sense of no oh, it's special time making that and then because it does require training there's so much reflex compulsive so a sense of resolution and a kindly resolution it's not teeth gritting that sense of you know we have who knows how many breaths we have left the washing up has to wait. <laughs> you know, because to check in with oneself deeply. And the other, so this sense of mental um, aditana or resolution. And then the other main support we have, or very primary support, is this very body. Now you can um, look at some of the Buddha's teachings and consider he didn't think much of the body, really. You know, bag of skin, and so forth. 
Um, and yet, uh, his fundamental meditation was 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 embodied. The difference between body and embodied it means body means basically the flesh and the bones, which you see is just a you know something we 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 get loaned for a few years before it crumbles and passes away. But also in this in this body, he says, in this very body there is the beginning of the world, the arising of the world, the ceasing of the world, and the path. Yeah. So this is a Chitta, heart, mind, spirit comes into this body, and the body comes alive. It lights up, and in it's in it within that there is an exceptionally sensitive um, system, and it's not just sensitive to physical touch and temperature, though clearly it is, uh, but it's also sensitive to mood. It's sensitive to chitta. It's sensitive to the heart. So when we feel frightened, we tend to get you know contracted we feel agitated the body starts getting jittery if you're comfortable your shoulders relax if you're warm-hearted your chest opens a bit i mean it may not physically look much different but the energies in your body shift around in accordance with the heart this is very useful to know that because there's no choice in that you know, it just happens. It's it's a natural symbiosis. It's a def default system. You know, it's like babies do it. And babies are great because they let you know exactly what they're feeling. <laughs> There's no no sensory. <laughs> you know, but of course, for us, we our brains take over. Our manal vinyana, our mind consciousness, which is highly conditioned to look okay, to make sure people are not disturbed, to not be, be what I should be, to not have, you know, ugly feelings or dark moods or, you know, so it's got a huge censoring program in the brain. Or in, you know, I mean, in this, using these things rather loosely, but you know what I mean in the kind of more top of your, top of your mind, the head aspect of your mind, the socially conditioned, the parental conditioning, the all that sort of stuff, personality conditioning. So it tends to sit on top and try to moderate the heart, saying, well, don't feel like that. Uh, uh, try to feel like this. And it's done that for years, uh, probably with a reasonable intention. It's not good to just blab your, your wrath at everybody. <laughs> but is there a better way of doing it? <laughs> Then just is having this constant sensor, who becomes myself, yeah. So myself is at war, or is censoring, or in conflict, or supervising my my heart, my spirit. Is that and what a what a what a struggle that is, because um, yeah. it can only say what you shouldn't be or do and say what you should do, but you can't actually make it happen. You can't say, oh, now be happy. Uh, now be loving. Uh, now be clear. You can't do that. You can only say should and shouldn't. And after a while, you just get sick of it. Um, so, in this way, there's a possibility that with a bit of careful training, the heart could, could sort itself out. And we use, this we refer to the body as like a uh, a system or a, um, 
a moderator, if you like, it just feels, feels the disappointment or the sadness in the body and training is to feel it in the body and then use the body energy to hold that, receive that and moderate it. And the body will do that. And the primary reference is the entire body. Not a particular point. It's not even a lot of doing. It's just to refer to the entire body, the one you can sense, which may not, well certainly is not what you look like. It's, a, it's an energy field. Get the whole of that as wide and as tall and as you know, whatever it is. Take some, allow your breathing to be natural and flowing and flow through that till that probably pulsing, tingling experience begins to sort of steady. So you purify the body, body energy through, through, let, let, through breathing. Um, and then it becomes exceptionally clear and clean and able to discharge difficult feeling. And as it does so, it begins to gently radiate subtle qualities of pleasure. This is a process called jhana. And the Buddha said, jayati bhikkhus, you know, jhana, get jhana, do it. Here are, here are roots of trees, here are lonely places. All I've said out of compassion, I've said, you do it. And, you know, we can think that jhana means you focus on some kind of refined object. But when you look in the suttas, this actually refers to the general topic of engage uh, on an embodied level and get down to this, this process of using the uh, embodied energy to clear and to fortify and to nourish the heart so that with that then wisdom can arise so some doing uh, some doing but then we've got something really pretty much direct and immediate to engage with. It's not virtual. It's not supposed. It's not what it should be. So let's spend some time, you know, I'm trying to encourage something, you know, direct path or a direct practice of this and I don't know what's happening for you clearly so at any particular time you know what I'm saying may not be what you're with so just use your own understanding to say well I'm not there yet you know I'm going to take more time with this he said that bit I'm still working with that bit and I'll, I'll catch you up for the next <laughs> in a while <laughs> uh, but so anyway, it's very simple, but even though the instruction is simple, it can take the energy and the mind time to, to 
settle. This is an organic process like growing peas or something like that. You just can't rush it.